couple of thought questions. What may be one of the most important qualities of a leader in the body of Christ? What may be one of the most important qualities of a leader in the body of Christ? Why do we have abundance of books on leadership, but very few books on followership? A number of years ago, I was looking for a book on followership, and I found one. You look for leadership books, you'll find dozens and dozens. If you had to select one key quality for our next pastor, what would you select? Share the account of a daughter, Anne, who was growing in disrespect and rebellion towards her parents and school authority. Finally, in desperation, her parents, Herb and Tina, asked their daughter, Why are you so rebellious? In a moment of bravery and honesty, she said, I'm following your example. In shock, the parents got defensive and asked for an explanation and responded. You criticize our government for poor roads. You complain about paying taxes. You speak negatively about church leaders. You complain about your bosses. You often break the speed limit. Mom, you resist dad's leadership often and you resent it. You criticize the teachers for disciplining me. You know I was wrong. Dad and Mom, I'm following your example. Doesn't God have something to say about each of the items above? You do claim to be followers of Christ. This morning we want to consider Scripture and authority. That's submission Occasionally, we will take a Sunday or two to discuss what I call a core absolute for our church, for any church, now and in the future. Neglect submission, and you neglect most of life living for God's glory. Thus, we want to discuss today and perhaps next week one of the basics. Neglect the foundation and the building in time crumbles. As we think about submission, we'll look at some scriptures. We're not going to look at all the passages I list for the simple reason we'll be here for quite a long time. But let's take our Bibles and go to Hebrews. Hebrews has a thrust of Christ is better than, Moses, Aaron, and prophets. Christ also has a theme running throughout it of Genuine faith perseveres. And as he gives some concluding exhortations, we find in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Then skipping down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. 
for that would be of no advantage to you. Go over to First Peter. Peter writing to those who are going through difficulty and persecution, giving an exhortation to the elders. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the context of the church, he addresses believers to follow. He addresses leaders they are to lead. In the context of marriage, in chapter 3 of First Peter, chapter that we went through a little while back, Weiss in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women in the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right. Do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as a weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In the context of marriage, a husband being submissive to the Lord, being considered of his wife, treating her as a weaker partner, heirs together of the gift of life, a wife following his leadership. In the context of parents and children, In Colossians chapter 3, we find that after explaining Christ, he talks about living out in your relationship. And in verse 20 of Colossians 3, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Role of children, role of parents. In this context, fathers. When it comes to the government, we find that, again, the Lord speaks, and we'll turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Paul's writing to Titus, giving him some guidance and ministering in Crete. Crete was not apparently an easy place to minister because... It says that, uh, you know, false teachers must be silenced. And one of their prophets, that is one of the Cretan prophets, would have said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. But as Paul writes to Titus, he says in verse 1 of chapter 3, remember the people, or remind rather the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, 
and considerate and to show true humility towards all men. In the context of civil government, along with Romans chapter 13, submission. The employer-employee be the slave-master in what Scripture refers to, we find in Titus chapter 2 and verse 9. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they may make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. And Paul says in Colossians 4 that masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. In the context of slave master, in the context of employee and employer, both having a responsibility to be submissive. In the context of Christ, we celebrated communion a little while ago. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes concerning the resurrection. And apparently the Corinthians had some question about the resurrection. And he talks about Christ's resurrection, clearly emphasizing that Christ came from the dead. So dead in Christ will rise. And in chapter 15 and verse 27 and 28, for he, God has put everything under his feet, Christ's feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. In the future, the Son being submissive to the Father. Before that becomes a reality in Hebrews chapter 5, Verses 7 through 10, we find that the writer speaks about Christ. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Christ himself submitting to his father as he was on this earth. There's other passages that speak of commission or submission. In Hebrews 12 and verse 9, we find there that in the context of the discipline of God, of believers, He encourages believers to submit to God's discipline. In James 4, in the context of being a friend of the world, we find James says, submit to God then, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we talk about submission. We talk about authority. What is submission? What does it mean? The basic meaning is to arrange under, to subordinate, to obey, to place oneself under. A number of months ago, Ruth and I attended a funeral. 
And we waited in line quite a while, you know, to view the body and greet the family. And after that was done, we went and sat down. And I'm not one to just sit and sit, you know, my legs get restless. So I get up and went outside and walked around as we waited for the service to start. And as I was standing outside the church, I observed across the street, unbeknownst to them, a father and several sons working. It was interesting to watch them work. Because there was submission. And I'm talking older boys who are probably in their 20s. The father and two sons worked. Father would say something, and immediately it was done. No question, no opposition. Those sons had arranged themselves under, subordinated themselves to their father. They were obeying. Expanded definition is to give up one's control. You ever think about submission involving giving up control? I'll arrange myself under someone else. My parents, church leaders, the government. Also, willing choice to place oneself under. And I emphasize willing. Submission, as you think about Scripture, is not something that is forced. A person willingly responds, yielding to admonition or advice. The yielding is not due to fear of consequences, but a choice to yield to God. Whether it be civil government, whether it be in a job setting, whether it be in a church setting, or in a home setting. Some general comments as we think about submission. Submission is very simple. It's not complex. Obey. Submission has nothing to do with worth, value, or identity. Well, if I submit, I'm not worth anything. No, it doesn't have anything to do with identity. We're image bearers. Believers are in Christ. Remember, Christ submitted to his Father when he was on this earth and will apparently submit in the future. Submission makes leadership present, pleasant. I guess that one's missing. Submission makes leadership pleasant. Parenting sometimes is pleasant. When kids aren't responsive, it's maybe not so pleasant. Heart submission is very evident since genuine submission begins in the heart. We cannot make others submit in their heart. Leaders are not called to make followers submissive. Leaders are called to submit to the authority over them and to lead, realizing the followers have to choose to submit. They are to guide, they are to instruct, as Paul says to Timothy, or to Titus rather, teach people to submit to authority. The leader who seeks to make followers submissive has ceased to be submissive. 
Because the Lord says, lead, don't try to make people submissive. And if he's trying to make them submissive, then he ceases to be submissive to Christ. They're taking upon themselves a responsibility that is not theirs. So as we think some about submission in light of Scripture, we live under God's authority by living under human authority. Whether civil, church, family, or job. We live under God's authority by living under human authority. Therefore, we can't live under God's authority if we're resisting human authority. To resist human authority is to reject God's authority. We have to choose to give up demands and explanations and reasons. Obey. Leadership at any level, civil, church, family, home, job, school, should display a pattern of submission to authority before they are placed in leadership. One cannot lead if they are not practicing submission. Think about that. If someone is going to lead, they have to practice submission because if they're leading, they have to follow God and the role that they have in life. And in doing that, they're modeling for those who follow. If marriages and homes are to be under authority, church leaders must model it in their lives. Civil leaders should be modeling submission Leadership in and of itself is submissive in nature. Submission to God. Take a father who is correcting his child. And he says to the child, I am obeying God in correcting you because I submit to God in correcting you because God tells me that I'm responsible for training and correcting and nurturing you. And you submit to God by submitting to me as your father. Leadership, modeling that. Leadership at any level, civil, church, family, job, school, deeply influences followers in how they follow, speak, act, and their responses to authority. On a civil level, if you do some study of American history, you will find that America has been on some ups and some downs, ups and downs when it comes to responding to authority. And you will find that that is in relationship to how leaders were leading. That is true in the church. That is true in the family. Leaders influence followers. How dad, how mom responds to the government, to the job, to the church influences children. How mom responds to dad, to government, the church influences children. An employer and his attitudes towards the government influences his employees. A leader cannot lead and expect followers to follow if they are not submitting 
to authority. The very nature of leadership, as I said a few moments ago, is submissive. Those under authority are not responsible for called or called to change the authority over them, but to submit. You say, oh, I've got to change the authority over me. As we will see next week, when that happens, the consequences aren't very good. To resist authority is to resist God and his design. Please keep in mind that none of us will be judged for how our leader leads. We will not be judged for how our leader leads. We'll be judged for how we follow. We will give an account for how we live under authority. Church leaders and followers, husbands and wives in marriage, parents, mom and dad, children, civil leaders, employers and employees. Teaching children to subject to be subject to parental authority is vital. If we practice this teaching, they will know how to submit in school, church, government, work. The opposite is also true. Just emphasizing teaching the children the importance of parental authority and submitting to that. Parents modeling submission for children. Older saints modeling submission. Church leadership modeling submission. Teachers modeling submission. God's desire is for children to be surrounded with models of submitting to authority. If children see parents, church leaders, Older saints submitting to authority. They have a good pattern to follow. The enemy seeks to undermine submission. Unwillingness to submit is perhaps at the core of the enemy's character. You cannot... Attempt to change an authority and submit at the same time. They're opposites. They're going in opposite directions. We cannot travel two paths at the same time. Our government allows us to vote, to write, to call, That's part of submitting. So we write, we vote, we call. That's part of our government. We accept that. And part of submitting is to be involved in those ways, but keeping our attitude right. Humility seems to be at the core of submission. Humility seems to be at the core of submission. A willingness to let go. And say, God, I surrender to you. I need an authority over me.
Trust is also at the core of submission, a trust in God, a trust in leaders, a trust that does not demand, a trust that responds in obedience, a trust that rests in God's sovereignty. At the core of submission is a trust of God first. We may look at on the national level at points in our history and say, do our leaders know what's going on? We at times may do that with parents. That may at times happen within marriage or within the church. Trust God by responding to leaders. Submission involves free will for the leader and the follower. Free will. But it also involves an accountability. Now, I don't know about you, as I think about submission, some questions come to my mind. What do you do if the authority over you steps outside of the area of their authority? As an example, the government says, you may not discipline your children as you please, Here's the way you must do it. How do you respond to that? We'll respond to that, Lord willing, next week. Should I confront a leader who is off target? Is that unsubmissive? You know, unsubmissive to confront a leader is on, that is not on target. Again, if you have other questions, feel free to give them to me in your way out, but I want to respond to some of them next week. But a couple hard questions. Are pastors a model of submission? You think about Christian America. Can the world look, or can the world at large look at the church for an example of godly submission? The world saying, if you wonder what it means to submit, look at the body of Christ. Can the world do that? Are children raised in the church and in Christian homes daily bombarded with examples of submission? There was a father named Bill. And his son, Howard, were having breakfast together several days before Howard's wedding. Bill, father, encouraged his son to yield to God, to submit to Christ, and to walk in the Spirit as a man, as a husband, and as a father. His son, Howard, responded, Dad, I desire to do that, and I'm thankful for a good example. I have an example to follow. You have prayed for and respected our government officials as I grew up. You admitted your sins against mom and myself along with my siblings. And you asked for our forgiveness frequently. And you asked for our prayers. 
you had us pray together for church leaders. And you often encouraged church leaders. You often ask us, along with mom, that is us our ch- as children and mom, for suggestions on how to be kind and gentle with a hard, difficult boss. You love mom and entreated her like Christ treats the church. Dad, do you remember when I was in 11th grade and got in trouble at school? You didn't defend me. But you told, us, told the school officials to follow through on the discipline because that's what I needed. Dad, if I follow your example, I will do well in submitting to God and authorities in my life. The very essence of leadership is submission. The very essence of followership is submission. Ultimately, to God. Without the core of submission, we go astray very, very quickly in the body of Christ, in homes, in a nation, in the work world, in a school setting. I shared an account at the beginning of my sermon and I shared an account at the end of the sermon. They both are true. We impact others. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we battle with submission to your authority and human authorities in our lives. We repent when we don't speak well of our government, complain about a teacher or a boss, resist parents, or not leading and loving as men, husbands and fathers, or resisting a husband's leadership, or complaining rather than rejoicing. We choose to obey, Father. We want to obey, and when we think about Christ, He came to this earth in submission to you. And we know in the future that will also take place. May we grasp and understanding all that we have in Christ so that we can be a body in our various roles and capacities, people who are submissive, reflecting your glory. And as Jude says at the end of his book, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You're dismissed.